That's it. Uh, today, I just want to take a break from uh, preaching out of John. It's been um, uh, quite a long time that I have been preaching out of John. And so today, um, it's more of a standalone sermon, a sermon that I'm just going to be uh, preaching out. And it's, it's about a topic um, that's very general. It's about being closer to God, right? How, ge- how more general can that be? Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the first, it's, we're one month into 2021, can't believe it's 2021. It's like even harder to say that. So many like constant like like uh, syllables like 2021, right? It's already, it's already for one month into 2021, and you know some of you guys made New Year's resolutions. Who's who made New Year's resolutions? Anybody here? Mo said she made one. Um, I usually make some. I don't tell people, but I usually fail uh, pretty miserably um, within the first four months. But um, you know, I think some like as a born again believer, we most of us, we all have like a New Year's resolution. And it's in this kind of basically to be closer to God. Right. I think a lot of us, we want to be closer to God this year than we were last year. Um, and, 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 you know, that's the thing is that we should be this way. Right. We should want to grow closer to God. But when we really look at our hearts, many times it's not really the desire of our hearts. Right. You know, like. We say that we want to. And I, as a pastor, I'll say, oh, I want to be closer to God this year. But when I really search my heart, right, sometimes I'm, I, I come to this conclusion that there are other things that take precedence uh, in my heart. So like that song that we sang, sang today, like, may you always be first place. May you always take preeminence. I really uh, struck in my heart because I believe that that is really um, the heart of this sermon today. Uh, and so... You know, we, we want to be closer to God. We should. That's what we should be. But a lot of times, you know, it's something either in whether it's, you know, you know, wanting a career, whether it's, uh, you know, wanting to be good parents, getting married or, you know, buying a house and being comfortable. There's usually something that um, kind of is competing with our desire to be closer to God. And, and what we do with our understanding of being closer to God is we compartmentalize. Right? I said that right, right? It's a hard word to say. We compartmentalize our relationship with God along with all of the other things that's going on in our lives. Right? We add Him as just another agenda in our busy schedule. Right? Like we'd be like, okay, I have to get this done, right? And then I have to, I want, it, I want this in my life, I want this in my life, and then uh, I also want to be closer to God. It's like these compartments that we make for ourselves, these sections of, 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 of ourselves that we kind of, we put God into these compartments. But that's not the way that God, uh, he, that's not his idea of his relationship with us. And we see this in our passage today. Our passage comes from Hebrews 11. So if you guys have your Bibles, just one verse. Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Now, this passage tells us a few things about our relationship with God. And it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, now there's a foundational understanding that we have to realize from this passage and about our relationship with God, and it's that we were created for God's pleasure, right? right? A lot of people, we don't fully embrace that or understand that, 
But we have to understand that we were created for God's pleasure. Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace. That word purpose in the Greek, right, it's eudekia, and it, it actually doesn't mean purpose, right? It's translated as purpose here, but a better word for it, you know, the purpose, it sounds so functional, right? I bought this hammer for the purpose of driving these nails, right? We bought like a mixer so that we can make smoothies, right? It's these function, it sounds so functional, but the word is actually very nuanced, and the word means will or choice, but it is a choice that brings delight, pleasure, and satisfaction and desire. Okay, this is what the lexicon says. It, the first definition is a will or a choice, goodwill, kindly intent, benevolence, delight, pleasure, satisfaction, desire. For delight in any absent, absent thing easily produces longing for it, right? And so that word is not so much for the purpose of his will, but it's for the pleasure of his will, right? He wants this, he wants us for his pleasure. Revelations 4.11, the King James Version says this, I think the best is, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so we have to understand that we were created for God's pleasure. And, and, and this has to be a foundational understanding regarding our relationship with God, because if it's not, then we start to think of God in ways that he, he, that's not his intention. Right? And there are some people out there that believe in God, but they see the relationship based on function. They, they believe that, that God created us for a certain function. God created me to function in this way, to do this on this earth in this way, to obey these rules and follow those laws. And this kind of understanding will lead us to understand God in religion. This is, this is what creates religion. And I'm sure many of you guys have met religious people in your life. One of you guys may be a religious person. I don't know, but... It's all about like doing the right thing, you know, like make sure that we look a certain way, make sure that I talk a certain way, make sure that I dress a certain way and act a certain way. And, and if, if they don't, they are either they judge people or, or they judge themselves. And they judge people that don't function in this way for God. And then there are people that have a foundational understanding of our relationship with God as one of domination. All right. God wants to dominate us. He wants to control me. And I, I used to think this when I was young. I believe that when I was young, you know, I went to a church that was very about like, you know, like you have to do right, you have to do good, or right? God's going to punish you, you know, like, you know, sin, and, you know, and like all of the consequences of sin and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I feel like God is out to get me. He wants to control me and punish me if I don't do what he says that he needs to do. And we act this, you know, and, and this way, and people that live like this with this kind of foundational understanding are governed by guilt, condemnation, and punishment. They feel like God is out to get them. As soon as they step out of line, they feel like, oh, God's going to punish me. 
Right? God is like God is up there in heaven, disappointed, and He wants to smite me. But we have to understand that God created us for His pleasure. That's what the Word of God says. For His pleasure, and we as parents, right? Some of us were parents, and we know this. There's moments where I look at my kids and like, and and they just give me pure pleasure, right? Ezra will just walk by my office and he'll just look at me. And he'll just like do something stupid, and I'm like, oh, like give me a hug, and I like hug him, and I'm like, oh, and like like it's it's not has nothing to do with how smart he is, it has nothing to do with how cleanly like how clean he is. He's not clean, right? The dude feet smells all the time, always smells like rotten cheese. Smell his feet one day, right? When you guys come over, I I dare you, right? Has nothing to do with how clean his room is. Or how good he is at school is just just the fact that he is who he is, and he gives me pleasure, like unbelievable amounts of pleasure. And this is a foundational truth about God's relationship with us. We exist for His pleasure. And I want you guys to say that out loud. Say it. I exist for God's pleasure. Go. I exist for God's pleasure. And this is the truth. That is revealed in Hebrews 11.6. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please Him. What makes us pleasing to God has nothing to do with what we do. right? How proper we are, how sinless we are. But it has everything to do with who He is and our faith and trust in Him and His Son. Because faith brings us into relationship with God. We are saved through faith. The Bible says that we are blameless. Why? Because we had a good week and didn't sin this week? Is that why I, I'm blameless? No. I'm like, like, if, if, like, without the blood of Christ, I'm just, I'm sin from top of my head to the bottom of my feet, right? I can be, I can be like nice and proper and do nothing wrong for like a whole year and I will still be full of sin. But the Bible says we're blameless. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of what he did on the cross and our faith in him. And this works vice versa. It works the other way. Because only when we have true faith in God are we able to have true affection for him. Only when when he is real. That's why he says, we have to know that he exists, that he is real. Are we able to really take pleasure in him? He has to be real. The more real he is to us, the more we are able to take pleasure in him. And have affection for him. If he's just a concept, we're not going to love a concept, but we love a person. I remember junior junior high. I started liking girls. Elementary school, you think you like girls, but you know you, you just you don't really know. But when you go to a school dance in Korea, you guys don't have dances, right? I think that's kind of sad. In America, you have these school dances, and then the first time you dance with the girl. You slow dance with the girl, it's over, right? You like girls, right? Like it's game over. And so in junior high, I, I like like I started liking girls, but it wasn't until high school that I actually had a girlfriend. Like I had a genuine real life girlfriend. And it was like, yes, who's who's clapping for me, right? Or like a real girlfriend. You know, like like when we were in junior high, we would have crushes, you know, like I would like crush on girls. And like I would daydream about having a girlfriend, and, and boys do these things. I just want you to know, they do, right? 
But it's not. It wasn't until like high school that I actually had a girlfriend that we can go on a date, you know, and like we would kiss and whatnot. And it was then that I learned what real affection is, because she was a real person that I had affection for, and she had affection for me. And when she finally broke up with me, I was devastated. Right? Why? Because it was like a real person. There was a real relationship there, and affected me. I was. I remember crying in her car in front of the YMCA, right? I was crying. I was like, why? And she's like, oh, she was crying. with Because she had left the lasting impression and just affected my heart. And I would not have done this about a crush. If it was just a crush, if it was just an idea of a person, I would not cry over this girl, right? But she was a real person that actually affected my life. And so I was devastated. She was... The real deal. And in the same way with God, our faith in Him has to be where He is real. He has to exist. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, for whoever would draw near to Him must believe that He exists. Our faith is one where He is real to us. He's not just a cosmic force out in the universe. He exists. He is a person. And not only does He exist, but He knows us. And He hears us, and He is for us, and He is gracious and merciful and righteous and holy, right? There's a lot of people in this world that will say that they believe in God. They believe in some cosmic idea of God, right? I believe in a higher power. When you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, they all believe in like a higher power that they can kind of put some kind of faith in. But that's not the kind of relationship that God wants for us. But he wants a relationship where we have faith in him, and that faith causes us to draw near to him. It says, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. There are plenty of people that will acknowledge that he exists, but few that desire to draw near to him, to be closer to him, to know him, and have affection and take pleasure in him. That's the dynamic that God wants for His people. He doesn't just want us to acknowledge Him, but He wants us to know Him, to draw near to Him, to from a place of true faith and affection where we're like, God, I, I love You and I want to be near You and find pleasure in Him and in drawing near to Him. And then the passage says that, that He rewards those who seek Him. We have to seek Him. Now, this is where the issue is for many of us. When we think about seeking God, it gets a little overwhelming, right? I want to ask you, like, say, Tiffany, are you a God seeker? Right? Do you seek God, Mo? Right? And you're just like, oh, what does that mean? Like, what what does it mean? What does that entail? What does it mean to be a seeker of God? I remember when I first came back to the Lord and the the pastor's wife of the Korean church that New Philly used to be under, she's this lady, she's very, very like militant and she's very like choleric and she really, she liked me for some reason. She thought I had some kind of potential and she's like, I want to do a Bible study with you and Mina's old roommate at the time, Lisa, she's like, I want to, because she was like the missions director, she's like, I want to take you in, I want to have a Bible study like every like Friday and something, like, I think it was like Wednesday and Friday morning so we'd go to church and we would have this Bible study and then she would tell me 
that we should be praying three to five hours a day. And, I, and I've heard a pastor say, I pray for six hours for my congregations every day. And to be completely honest with you, I find that intimidating, right? I don't know if it's because I have ADHD or what, but for me, that seems hard, right? It's not easy. It does not come naturally for me. I remember, you know, our lead pastor a long time ago, we had this thing called the all-night prayer meeting. It was like a 24-hour prayer meeting. And we had priests, like, you know, pray into the night. And he, he would say that, this is us. We're seeking God together. And I have to be honest with you. Some of you guys were there, right? All right that was hard. That was not easy. And I want to ask you today, is praying five hours a day seeking God? What if I can only pray two hours? Am I seeking God less? And then there's a the whole thing of quiet time. A lot of Christians, and, and me too, I, you know, I do quiet time every day, where they take aside a, 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 their Bible and a time of day, and then they see they're, they're praying and they're reading the Bible and they're spending time with God. Well, if I miss a few days, am I seeking God less? Now, I'm not saying that these things are bad. Right? It's important that we spend time in prayer. As a Christian, we should all be praying. We should all be in our prayer closets. And we should all be spending time in the Word of God. Spending time dedicated to Him. But is this what seeking God is? Right? And for some of us, seeking God seems so intimidating because when we do, He feels so far. Right? He feels so far. I've had moments where even I'm like, I'm like, oh God, I feel like I need to seek it, but I sit down to do it, and he just feels so far. We feel so alone in seeking him. It's like he's hiding from us, and we're just like calling out into the vast of the universe. We feel lost, and all of a sudden we end up just giving up. I remember one time I used to live in LA. And there's there's a subway in LA. I don't know if you guys don't. Not everybody drives. There's actually a subway. I was really late at night, and I was probably doing some kind of drug, and I was really tired. And I got on the subway, and then I was going home to my parents' house, and like like I I fell asleep. And then I think I fell asleep like at 10 or 11 o'clock. All of a sudden, I got woken up by this guy, and he's like, "Dude, you got to get off the train. This is the last train." And I was like, what? And I looked at my watch, it was 2 a.m. I'd been sleeping. I'd been on that train, went all the way down, did a U-turn, came all the way back, and I was coming back again, right? I've been on that train for two hours, right? More than two hours, like, like three hours, almost four hours. I've been knocked out. And I remember he's like, you got to get off the train. This is, everything's closing down. And I remember I walked out, and I had never been to where I was standing, right? And this is a time before cell phones or or smartphones or Uber or anything like that. I didn't even have a phone on me, right? I didn't even have any money, right? I had nothing. And I remember getting out and I'm like, where am I? I feel, I feel so, I've never been that lost. I try to think of a time in my life where I felt like I felt super lost. And this was it. I Like it, the street said first street. My parents live on 227th street. And I was like, well, how does this make sense, right? Like, and I remember I was just felt so like, like nothing was familiar to me and there was nobody outside it was like it was like this like weird part of long beach and i was just like what do i do and i felt so i felt like everything just felt so far away like home just felt so far away and i just felt completely lost and, and sometimes when we think about seeking god that's the way that we see 
our relationship with God. He feels so far. And he and 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 he feel we feel so lost. We feel like we're seeking somebody that is so far away. However, today I want to give you a new understanding about seeking God. And yes, spending time in prayer with God is part of it, right? We all should be doing that. But that's not all of it. And yes, reading the Word of God and having quiet time is a part of it. But that's not all it is. And the best example that, that, that we have about really seeking God is the example that Jesus gives us in him choosing his disciples. What, does, what did Jesus tell them to do when he chose his disciples? What did he say? Do you guys know? He said, follow me. Follow me. What dynamic did Jesus give his disciples as a means of following? Did he tell them, come, come to this place every day at 7 a.m. and you're going to spend three hours with me learning from me, and then you're going to go on your way and do your jobs and do your work and go back to your family and do whatever you want, right? Is that what Jesus did? No, Jesus said, follow me. And when people, when the disciples followed him, he invaded their lives. He showed up at some of their workplaces. Peter is, is fishing, right? He's a fisherman, and he's like, like, drop what you're doing and follow me. He invaded their lives. Everything about their lives were submitted to Jesus when they started to follow him. They spent their days and their nights and their week weekends with Jesus. Right? Do you know that's how they live? Like, like people didn't go home, right? They were just they're like nomadic. They're just wherever they went, they were in this group. They were together. And I believe that there's a reason why Jesus chose to lead people in this way. Other teachers didn't do this. Other teachers would say, come here. At 7 a.m. every day, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna be right here. You're gonna sit in front of me, and I'm gonna teach you, right? They would they would gather at the temple in Solomon's porch, right? Solomon's portico, and then there would be teachers, all like oh, this huge, right? All lining. There'd be teachers. They would have like six, seven disciples. They would come from their home. They bring their little tochiraks. They would sit down and they would learn, and then they would go home. But only Jesus said, "Follow me." I want you to follow me, and you're gonna you're gonna go with me everywhere I go. He invaded their life. Every activity of their lives, Jesus was a part of, and he led them to everywhere they were to go. Now I'm not saying that you guys need to all quit your jobs and just do quiet time all day. <laughs> following him, but following him isn't just our prayer time, isn't just our, our 45 minute quiet times that we have it's not quantitative but it's qualitative now, we have a qualitative God a God we all think that God is quantitative I have to spend this much time with God today right or else he's going to be disappointed I have to read this many Bible verses and memorize this many he's not a quantitative God God He's a qualitative God. Seeking Him isn't just about what we do and how we act. It's not about you know waking up every morning at 6 a.m. and doing your QT because you might do that but then miss Him at lunch. Right? He might want to talk to you at lunch but you're just like busy doing your own thing. 
Seeking Him means following Him, following Him to all of the places that you go. Did you, did you hear what I said? Following Him to the, all of the places that you go. Do you know that God isn't, you're not leading God around to all the places you go. You're following Him to all the places that you go. It's the posture of your heart. Follow Him to all of the moments that you have throughout the day. In the mundane moments, in the good times, the bad times. Seeking God means engaging, including, and involving God in all of our daily activities. He doesn't want just a section of your schedule. A compartment of your life. He wants to be your life. He wants true relationship. He, he wants to do life with you. I remember the first time I got married, and some of you married people will realize when I first got married to Mina, for the for a while, it was it was really weird because I was like, why isn't this woman going home? Because right? up till then, it was always like we would have our time together, but then she would go home and I would go home, right? And I would have my personal time, but I was like, she's around all the time, right? And it was a little jarring for me, right? I was like, I was just like eating, and I was like, oh, what's she doing here, right? But then that's what doing life is. Is When you get married, you do life. They're around all the time. For this. And we, like God wants to do life with you in this way. He wants to invade your space. All of your spaces. Why? Because He wants to transform you and sanctify you. But He wants to transform the whole you. Not just you during quiet time. Not just you during service and Sunday, but he wants to transform and, 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 and sanctify you holistically. The whole you, wherever you go, whoever you're talking to, he wants to be there with you. Jesus taught his disciples, not like a school where you come and you leave, but he taught them with his life. He lived life and they lived life with him. It was with them continually and always. He woke up, he was there. Went to sleep, he was there. Lunchtime, he was there. Dinner time, he was there. And they followed him everywhere he led. Now, some of you guys with commitment issues might hear this and think like, "Oh God, this sounds very smothering, right?" Some of you guys might be thinking that. Some of you girls might be thinking that. I think we need a break, right? But here's the thing: when Jesus died on the cross for you. He did it to save you, but He did it to save all of you. He wants all of you. Here's the thing. You don't have to be perfect with Him. Remember when you were little and then you'd have to go somewhere with important people and your parents would like, be on your best behavior, right? So you'd be like, all like, you know, like, yeah, Nazeo, you know, like you'd be all good. And as soon as you leave, you're just like freaking out, like, ah, you know, like, I used to do that all the time. I'd be in the car, I'd be like, ah, you know, like, But we could be ourselves with God. Jesus knows who you are and he still loves you. you know that? He knows everything about who you are. Every thought, every bad thought you had, every like, you know, anger, angry outburst, every whatever it is, Jesus knows all that and yet he still loves you. If you are born again in the blood of Jesus Christ, he accepts you fully. 
And it's this relationship with Jesus where we can be honest and open with him and we seek him in our everyday moments that will transform us. This is the gospel. I love Tim Keller's definition of the gospel. He says, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we will ever dare believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And it's from this place of understanding the gospel message that we are compelled, compelled to run to Jesus and fall at his feet. Right? So I can't believe you know all of me and yet you still fully accept me. That's the power of the gospel. And it's from this place of understanding that Jesus wants a relationship with us. He saved us for relationship. And that relationship, he doesn't expect you to be perfect. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, for the joy that was set before him, right? We are his joy. We are his pleasure. And he wants to be in our lives always. He wants true affection. And this comes from true surrender. When we truly surrender to God and when we truly surrender to Jesus, we're able to give Him our full heart. There's a great example, like I keep coming back to it, is, is marriage. Our relationship with Jesus is seen as a marriage and a wedding in the Bible. And when I got married, you know, I surrendered my individuality and my self-interest. And Mina and I became one. That's what the Bible says happens and when we get married, we two become one, right? And this is what Jesus wants with us. Holy Spirit is with you always. Not just when you're at church. Not just when you're praying. Not just when you're doing a quiet time. But He's with you always. If you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit is with you always. When you're home, when you're using the bathroom, when you're eating... But but the amazing thing is, it's just being comfortable with that and saying, God, I'm learning to do life with you. I don't have to be perfect because you don't expect me to be perfect because I can't be perfect. Can anybody be perfect? Is, Is there anybody in this world besides Jesus that can be perfect? No. But it's saying, God, I still want to be on this journey with you. And so how do we seek God? How do we draw near to him? What does it entail? How does how do we follow him? I have a few things that I just want to kind of throw at you. Number one is we engage him. Know that he called you and he is near. He's not far. And when you're trying to seek him, he's not like off in the stratosphere somewhere, like, you know, like looking down at us. He's near. When you pray, you have to know that He is near and that He hears you. Do you do you pray knowing that He hears you and that He speaks to you? He wants you to engage Him. The Bible says in First Thessalonians five, pray without ceasing. How do you do that? How do I pray without ceasing? Does He expect me to just pray twenty four hours a day? No, you do it through engagement. You engage God. Our heart posture is continually towards God and say, God. Like, I just want to be connected to you. Second Corinthians said, 
10, it says, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Every thought in our heart, mind comes. And we're like, God, I'm engaged with you. And whatever I, what I'm thinking and whatever I'm doing, I'm engaged and connected to you. We're aware of His presence always throughout the day. And we engage Him in prayer. We engage Him in the Word of God. We engage Him in worship. We engage Him in thanksgiving. Have you ever sat there? I've done this before, and it's like kind of mind-boggling. Have you ever sat there and started to think about all of the things that you are thankful for? Do this one day. It's like a rabbit hole. It's like going down a rabbit hole. You know, like Alice in Wonderland? It's like that. You're just going on forever. I start thinking like, oh, thank you for my kids. Oh, thank you for my wife. Oh, thank you for like that I, that I had this church that where I was able to meet my wife. Thank you for bringing me. Like, And it just you go down this rabbit hole. Thank you that... That you saved me that one day when I almost got hit by a car and like, but we we stay engaged. Number two, we include him, include him wherever you go. When you're at work, include him. Acknowledge that he is there with you, not to judge you or point fingers at you, but to help you and to be with you. Yeah, he's here when we're worshiping at church, but know that he's there with you when you're at work, when you're teaching. When you're with your friends, when you're driving or when you're on the subway, when you're listening to music. Have you ever been with a bunch of people, like your friends, right? and then you just acknowledge that God is there? You're like, God, I know you're here. Try this sometime and then just ask him, God, I want you to show me your heart for my friends. Right? When you just ask him, like, God, show me your heart. Sincerely ask. Don't just like try it out like, oh, God, yeah. But when you sincerely say, God, I just really want to know your heart. And, he, and then he gives you your heart. All of a sudden, your friends start to look different. They, they start to feel different. And you're able to have compassion and love, genuine love. You, you include him in your life. And then number three, you involve him. And involve him in the decisions that you make. Include him in the way that you interact with people. What do you think Jesus wants you to do as you interact with this person? Someone at your work does you wrong. Right? Mina works at this preschool where they're just like really, really, just really mean, right? Or they're just like they're just not nice people at her work, right? And she'll come and she'll talk to me, but then every time she's just, you see this shift in her heart where she's like, oh, but then I choose to see it this way. I know it's because God is speaking to her. Involve him in the decisions. Involve him in your actions. Tell him, God, I don't know if I can forgive this person. And listen to what he says. God, I don't know what to do in this situation. And then listen to what he says. You involve him. And no, you're not going to be perfect. There will be moments when you stumble. But know that in Christ there is no condemnation and grace is near. And this is how we walk with God. This is... What God wanted with His people. God wanted to walk with His people. Genesis 3. What is God doing? Is Adam and Eve were just like messing up you know, in the garden, talking to that serpent and eating apples or whatever the fruit. And whatever. What was God doing? It says in verse 8, chapter 3, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? God's original plan for us was for us to walk with him. 
You know that God walks? And he wants to walk with us. But this was all lost because of sin. But Jesus brings us back into relationship with God. And in that redemption, we're invited into this relationship where we walk with God. And we learn to follow Him and we realize that we're walking with Him. We're doing life with God. He is involved in our lives and we walk. We take steps of sanctification. and, And as we continue to invite Him more into our lives and we start to do the Word of God, instead of just talking about the Word of God, but all of a sudden we start to do and obey and do the things of God. That's what sanctification happens. Right? Sanctification isn't something that just happens like, like a tan where you just have to sit there and oh, I'm sanctified. No, sanctification happens as we, as we make decisions and we start to do things. And God says, I want you to do this. And you're like, I don't want to, but I'll do it. And all of a sudden we're like, wow, I trust you more. And as we trust you more, our faith grows. And as our faith grows, we're being sanctified. So what marriage is, I keep coming back to marriage, but it's a perfect example of, of, of this. We get married, we start our lives together, and we start to change. There's some guys that be like, my wife will never change me. But those people are foolishly mistaken, right? If we truly love our spouse, they don't change us, we change for them. You know that? I don't expect Mina to change me. I don't want her to change me. You know what I want? I want to change for Mina. That's what that's what love. That's how love brings change into marriage. If you have, if you're like always saying, "I want you," and this is me, I'll be like, "Mina, why can't you be this way?" And like, why can't? And like the other day, like Mina is is very not good at like listening to what I say, and then it just kind of bothers me. And then when she got her scooter, I she has you know the little pegs that come out for your feet. And I, I, I told her, I was like, Amina, you don't have to push it in all the way. You just kind of close it and then it snaps and that's it. And when I first got it, I showed her like three times. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And then she called me like, hey, these things don't go down. And I keep banging my shin on it. And I was like, don't push it in all the way. Just like close it a little bit. And then you hear the snap. And, it started, and she's like, it's not working. And so I went down with her finally and I just showed her. Click. And then she's like, oh. And I was like, I told you this so many times when we... Right? But then, like, I can't, I can't, I can't make her change. That's not my job to make her change, right? I change, like, like, she wants, she has to change, she has to want to change for me. Out of her love for me, she has to be like, and then we both have. We're not the same people that we were when we first got married. Mina has made great concessions for me and, and some of the things that I, I need her to be, and then she, she changed, not because I, because I, I, I nagged her. Because that does the opposite. You know that? I nag her and she just becomes worse. She's like, oh. But then her love for me causes her to change. Same with me. Right? I, I nag less. Why? It's because my love for her is like, man, when I nag her, it, it, she doesn't like it. And I'm going to stop doing this. And it's just, this is what sanctification is. We change for God. It's a genuine change where we realize, oh, like, like I want to be near you. I want to, I want more of you. And we, and so we start inviting him into our lives, into our, the everyday activities of our days and our nights. Prayer is important. Reading the Bible is important. But where is my heart? 
And finally, what does the Bible say that God does to the people who seek him? God says he rewards those who seek him. He rewards us with what? I really want a PS5. Or like a Tesla. One of the the worst things about being fat in Korea is the small parking spaces, right? So whenever I come out of my car, sometimes it's too narrow and I got to like suck in. I squeeze myself out like shimmy and sometimes my... My belt gets stuck on the little thing, and I can't, I'm like stuck between the door, and I'm like, oh, I'm scratching the car next to me. Blah. And then I saw a Tesla. This guy comes up, and he was like in this tight spot, and he takes out his remote control, and he just pushes the button, and the car comes out on its own. And he gets in the car, and he drives off. And I was like, I need that in my life, right? <laughs> I need that in my life, right? That would solve every problem. I could park anywhere, right? Is that, is that, is that my reward? Is that, is it a new house? Is it a new job? Yes, every good gift comes from the Lord and we need to be thankful, but the true reward is nothing that is man-made. The true reward is Himself. He rewards us more of Himself. When we seek Him, you know what we get? We get more of Him. Let me tell you, when He rewards us with more of Himself, it's never gonna be like, God, I, I actually wanted a Tesla, you know? Because when we truly seek Him, and I'm talking about truly seeking God, or you're inviting Him into every area of your life, every moment, every thought, when He's starting to invade your life, it builds a hunger in us. And we're like, oh, the only thing that can satisfy this is more of you, God. This is like the life of David. It's written all over the psalm. It says, Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Beholding your power and your glory. That's David. He's like God. As he seeks God more. He's a little shepherd boy. Tending his sheep. And he's just like looking to God. And worshiping God. And he starts to encounter God. And he's like God I want more. He continues to seek his life more. and, And involve God more into his life. You know, and he like, you know, he fights Goliath. Why? Because the Spirit of God was with him. He makes these decisions, not based on his understanding or the understanding of man, but the understanding of God. And he's like, I can conquer him. And he cuts off his head and he becomes king. Right? He's lived his life. He's been seeking God. And he's like, God, I want more of you. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Brothers and sisters, this is, this is what happens when we truly seek the Lord. And I know it's an intimidating thing, but here's the thing. It's not supposed to happen overnight. Right? I'm the first to admit that I'm nowhere near living like this. Sanctification takes a lifetime. But I want to encourage you today to start engaging God throughout the day. Throughout your moments. Right? Don't just compartmentalize God in a section of your schedule or a section of your life where he's like, God, you're here, and then I'm going to focus on this for now. I'll come back to you later. But right now, my mind and my heart is on this. But invite him. Integrate him into just every aspect of your life. Acknowledge that he's there. Even when you're having a bad day. Acknowledge that even when you're like, you know, like you're messing up. Acknowledge that he is there. Because he's near. He's not far. 
Seek Him in prayer. Seek Him in the Word of God. Because He wants to do life with you. He wants to do life with you. We're not going to be perfect, but He's gracious. But the more we direct our hearts in this way, the more we will build a hunger for Him. And we'll be like David, like, God, I want more of you. I just, I just, the things of this world is just not satisfying. Right? You know, like, like, like there's been moments in my life where I, 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 I feel so close to God. And then when I look at the things around me, I'm just like, none of this thing satisfies me. And then there's times where I feel far. And you know what I'm going after? I'm going after the things in this world. I'm like, I need to buy this. I need this in my life. I saw that test on and I was like, I want that. But we have to understand when we seek God, right, and we truly find the beauty of God. That's why I love that song that we sang today, where he's like, 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 I want you to be first faith. I want you to be of preeminence, right? And, and, and when we really realize who he actually is and how beautiful he is, everything else starts to fall away and everything fades. Let's, let's seek God in the way that he is worthy. He's not just a section on our schedule that we check off. Oh, that would got today. Click. Time to move on to my other agendas. But he wants to be interwoven into our thoughts, into our hearts, into our well-being and our fears and our worries and our joys and all of that. He wants to be interwoven in there where everything that we are, we're coming together. We're walking with him. Let's seek to be people that walk with God. Let's pray. Let's all stand up and I'll close this in prayer. Father God, we just pray and we we seek you and may we be God seekers, God. I just pray for all of us in here that as we surrender more and more of ourselves onto you, Lord, and, and you start to be integrated and involved and engaged and interwoven into our very, the fabric of our being, God, may we be people that seek you. May we be seekers of God. And Lord, I just pray for every single one of us here. Lord, we pray for practical steps. I just pray, Lord, that starting today and as we go to work tomorrow, may we learn to take you with us. And not just take you with us, but may we learn to follow you into the places that we will go. May we be surrendered to you. May our hearts be submitted to you in our interactions with the people in our lives. May we be surrendered to you as we go to work. May we be surrendered to you as we talk with our friends and deal with our families, God. And I just pray that as we learn to walk with you, we know that you are faithful and you are just and that you will sanctify us and make us more like your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you. We give you all the glory and the honor and praise. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. We thank you, God, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.